So, welcome. It's really good to have you with us, as I said. Um, good, good to see some new people with us. And uh, I just wanted to, um, to, to start by, we're, we're going through um, the book of Hebrews, and we've done two weeks so far. Um, Alex, our, our senior pastor, he, he did the first one. Uh, he's, uh, he's not here today, by the way. He's, he's at the pub uh, this morning. Um, he's at the pub because we run a church in the pub, and uh, he's preaching there. Um, and uh, so that's, that's good. We just remember them with our, with our prayers. And uh, he talked about, he set out in his introduction that uh, Jesus is better. The book of Hebrews says Jesus is better, better than anything that you can think of. Um, and he particularly started by saying in, in the first few verses of Hebrews, it says this, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And uh, Alex went on to say, Jesus is therefore better than the prophets because he's speaking God's word. And, uh, you know, uh, goes on to, in Hebrews to say here, uh, by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the universe. Jesus is better than the prophets. And then last week, Chrissy, uh, who I was talking about earlier, who we're looking and hoping and praying about calling into a new uh, associate pastor role with us, she, she preached and she spoke about Jesus being better than the angels. Um, that was in the, in the rest of um, Hebrews 1. Uh, Jesus is better than the angels. And she also highlighted that um, in, in the, the, the Jewish people who the letter was written to were beginning to drift back into uh, their old rituals and ways of living. Uh, although they knew about the salvation, that Jesus' salvation, um, they were beginning to go back into their comfortable ways. And the message uh, that she was talking about is don't drift back into your old comfortable ways, but remember. And I'm going to pick that up as a bit more of a theme in uh, the verses that I, I talk about today. So we're in the book of Hebrews, we're in chapter 2. Um, if you're following in the, in the church blue Bibles, then uh, you're on page 1201. Uh, there, is, there isn't actually a page number on this page, but I can assure you that that is what the page is. If you turn to 1202 and go back one, then you'll find. Um, and there are some Bibles at the back there, if anyone wants one. Yeah, great. Uh, there's a Bible sitting on the here if anyone's missing one. So anyway, we're in Hebrews 2. Uh, and it says this. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So we'll see, at the very beginning of that, that chapter, chapter 2, there's a very key word, and that word is, therefore. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore. Some, some um, translations put it at the very beginning. Therefore, we must pay the most careful attention. And that word, therefore, it kind of introduces a fresh part of the argument. 
but it links back to what has already been said. In other words, because Jesus is better than the prophets, because Jesus is better than the angels, and uh, chapter 1, verse 2, because in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, therefore, because of these things, therefore, we must pay the most careful attention to what we've heard. It says we must, we have to pay the most special careful attention. In other words, he's saying, listen up. This is really, really important that you hear this. Um, my wife and I, we, we've got um, four children. Uh, they're, they're grown up now. Younger, youngest is now 17 and starting to do A-levels. Took her to, to uh, Open Date University. How did we get to that place yesterday? Uh, I don't know how we've got to, to that age. Somehow it's gone by. But when they were little, we sometimes tried to talk to them about really important things. And they'd be distracted, like children are, playing with toys or not listening, doing their own thing. And when we had something important to tell them, we used to say, listen carefully, listen to me, look at me. We made them look at us, hold their hands, listen to me. I've got something important to tell you. Um, and that's what we did. And this is what the, uh, the writer here is doing. He's saying, listen, there's something really important I've got to tell you. Listen up. What is so important that he wants us to take note of? That we must pay the most careful attention to. And it's this. Back to uh, that chapter 1, verse 2. That God has spoken through his son. God has spoken through his son. Look, look down at verse 3, and this is the key. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So great a salvation. This is the most important thing. Why? Why is it so great a salvation? Well, there's many, many reasons why it is so great a salvation. I'm just going to give you three just to be going on with. The first reason that is so great a salvation is because it comes from a great God. It's God's idea. Psalm 3 verse 8 says this, from the Lord comes deliverance. From the Lord comes deliverance. Other versions, when you look into them, it says salvation belongs to the Lord. It's his. Salvation's, it's his idea. It's his to give. It's not ours. Revelation 7 verse 10. And they cried out in a loud voice as they were worshipping. They cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation is God's idea. The great almighty God, the creator of the universe. He knew, didn't he? He knew that our sin and our wrongdoing would separate us from a relationship that he wants to have with us, with him, the holy God, because that dirt and muck just gets in the way, creates a barrier between the holy God and us. He knew that, and therefore he purposed to and planned to restore and redeem us. Praise God. Ephesians 2 verse 8 Again, one of my favourite verses in the Bible. For it is grace, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is God's gift. Yes, it becomes our salvation, but salvation belongs to our God. It's his idea. It's his gift to us. So great a salvation. It's so great a salvation becomes because it comes from a great, great God. Praise him for that. Secondly, it's a great salvation because it comes at a great cost. A great cost. It cost Jesus everything, didn't it? Probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I've got one son. I can imagine what it would be like if he died the death of Jesus. I can't, I can't imagine, really. I can't imagine. It would be heart-wrenchingly breaking, gut-wrenching. And yet God planned and purposed that because he loves us so much. It cost Jesus everything. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He himself, Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Those amazing verses in Isaiah predicting what would happen. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So whatever words you use, whether it's our sin, our wrongdoing, the things that muddy us and dirty us, transgressions, iniquities, whatever words it is, Jesus took that upon himself at great cost. It cost him everything. So it's a great salvation because it comes from a great God. It's a great salvation because it came at a great cost. It's a great salvation because Jesus is able to save completely. Hebrews 7.25 It brings great, great blessings. Our sins are completely forgiven, wiped out forever. That's amazing. 1 John 2 verse 12, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. In Corinthians, Paul speaks about we are new creations. Jesus speaks about being born again, fresh start, wiped out. The past sin is wiped away. We are fresh and clean. That is an amazing blessing. Not only that, but we've been given the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit to live inside us, to live in us, to guide us and lead us. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says this, Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God. Holy Spirit is in us. 2 Timothy 1 verse 14, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. See, the Bible's clear. The Holy Spirit lives in those who believe. 
He comes to help us to give power to serve. He comes to help produce fruit, gentleness, love, kindness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit. With complete forgiveness, we have the Holy Spirit in us and we're delivered from the fear of death. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57 talks about where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This last week, um, there was a funeral in our church. One of our, uh, our members been coming to the church for a long time, Hazel Taylor, lovely, lovely lady. She died. Um, and there was a funeral, and uh, Hazel um, reached the point where she didn't want any treatment. She wanted to die because she knew that God, through Jesus, had prepared a place for her in heaven. She knew she was going to go and meet with her Lord. And it's sad for us that are here and the family, but it's amazing to celebrate that Hazel is now gone to be with her Lord. And that's a certainty. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a great salvation, isn't it? What a great salvation it is. It comes from a great God. It came at a great cost. It brings great and amazing blessings upon us now and in the future for eternity. Because, as I said in Hebrews 7 verse 25, therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him. If you look it up in other versions, look it up in the King James, it says he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. What can be greater than the uttermost? Nothing. You look in the Amplified Version, which tries to unpick it a bit more, it says... For he is able to save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity. Do you get the idea? What a great salvation we have. So, in the light of this, what shall we do? What shall we do? Well, the writer to the Hebrews has three warnings here, three key warnings. First one... Um, I'm going to go into quite a bit more about us drifting away. The second one, don't ignore the salvation. And the third is don't doubt it. And spend quite a bit of time on the first one. The other two, don't think we're going to spend as long. We'll, we'll um, come to a conclusion quicker than on the first one. So three warnings then. Because of that great salvation, what, what should we do? And it's this. Look back at verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. We must... Pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So that we do not drift away. Don't do it. When I was thinking about this, I could think of a couple of ways, at least, where we might drift away. The first is when storms of life come upon us. Sometimes we sing, don't we? Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? 
And if you're anchored to Jesus, yes, it will hold. But sometimes we release that anchor in the st- when the storm comes upon us. I, I grew up in the south coast down in a place, a lovely place called Pool in Dorset. Um, we had a boat. My dad had a boat. It was a fishing boat. And uh, it, it, we had it moored out in the harbour. And where we live, out of my bedroom window and out of uh, my parents' bedroom window, you can see our boat out in the harbour, bobbing along on its mooring. And uh, so it's a beautiful place to live. It's amazing. Uh, one, one evening, one night, we had a real massive storm. A big storm came. I, I just slept through it. Um, but my dad, he was quite anxious. He was anxious about the boat. And uh, somehow something prompted him. He got up in the night and he looked out the window. And the boat wasn't there anymore. You couldn't see it. And uh, so he got up and he got dressed and he went down to the, to the shore and uh, he saw the boat. It, 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 um, because of the, the, the amount of wind and storm, it had broken loose. The chain that held it to the mooring boy had broken, snapped, clean away. And the boat was heading quite rapidly towards uh, the shore and also an area where there were some rocks, a marina protected by rocks. It was going to get smashed and damaged. So Dad... Um, I've no idea how he did it. I still can't quite believe it. He waded out into the sea, and with a superhuman effort, he kind of jumped up into the boat. Now, it was pretty tricky to get into it from a quayside or from a a little dinghy, but to get into it from the bottom of the sea, standing and jumping in, I've no idea how he did that. But he managed to do it, and he managed to get on board, start the engine, and take that boat away from the danger in the rocks Uh, back into a place of safety where he was able to moor it up again and make it safe. And that, to me, that is a bit like us sometimes. When sometimes these storms of life come and crash upon us, we can turn away from God and that, that anchor line, that rope, can break away. It's not that Jesus is moved, it's that we move. And it might happen for a number of reasons. I don't know what those reasons are in your life or other people's lives that you know. Maybe it's because it's a a really important relationship that breaks down and ends and leaves us in turmoil. Maybe we lose our job and made redundant. Maybe our business goes bankrupt. Maybe someone close to us dies and we can't understand it. How did that happen, God? Ah. Maybe someone we love and trust and have invested in lets us down big time. And it breaks our heart. And we think, well, how can there be a God in these circumstances? And we turn away from him. But when that happens, we need to do what the writer to the Hebrews says. When that happens, we need to pay the most careful attention to what we've heard. You know, God loves us. He has saved us. He has a plan and a purpose for us. Kate was reading, wasn't she, those those verses from uh, Jeremiah. God has a plan and a purpose for us. Romans 8 verse 28, another well-known verse says this, doesn't it? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. When the going gets that tough, Remind yourselves of what you have heard. The word that's been spoken, that great salvation we've talked about. Don't abandon God. But jump back into the boat of your life and steer it back towards God. 
The Bible's great, isn't it? It's full of promises. And they're all yes and amen. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Don't turn away. Steer your boat back, even in the difficulties of the storm. But then there's a second way, isn't there, that we might drift. Not because like a, a major storm's erupting, but because we drift little by little by little by little. Chrissy, when she was talking last week, she mentioned about um, you, the, the fact that you can boil a frog, apparently. I haven't tried this, but apparently you can put a frog in a pan of water, turn it on gently, and the heat gradually, gradually, gradually warms up. And the frog doesn't realise, because it's so gradual, until actually it's boiling and the frog will die. Even though, at any point, it could have jumped out of the pan. And that happens, doesn't it? Things creep up on us. We don't realise. Sometimes, again, in my fishing boat, sometimes we would anchor up uh, over a spot where, where um, were good ground for fishing. And... Uh, you start fishing, and then over a while you think, do you know what? We're not in the same place anymore where we started because the anchor is gradually, because of the tide, it hasn't taken hold and it's gradually moved along. And we're no longer in the spot where we should be. And what you have to do then is actually pull up the anchor, start the boat, go back again to where you wanted to be. And that's the same for us. We can see how that might happen to all of us, can't we? And that's why the, the, the writer here says, we must pay the most careful attention. We must. He's not saying you must. He's saying we. It includes him. It includes me who's preaching. We must pay the most careful attention because this can happen to any one of us at any time. We will all perhaps have experienced it in some ways. Maybe again it's a, a relationship that we enter into that's not right, that takes us away from our relationship with God. How many times do we see a Christian start to go out with a non-Christian? Oh, it'll be okay. They let me come to church. And then over the time, period, it drifts. It don't come quite as often. And eventually there's people who used to come to this church who don't come anymore because they've invested in a relationship that's not the right one. Maybe... Uh, Maybe life just gets too busy. Other things take a priority over God. We find ourselves, we don't pray quite as much as we used to. We still pray, but not as often. We don't open his word and read his word every day as often as we could and should. We don't come to church quite as much. And gradually, we drift away from the Lord. And suddenly you think, well... Oh, I'm not, I'm not coming regularly anymore. I'm not doing these things regularly. It's happened really slowly. Wake up. Wake up. Steer your boat back into the right place. See, in the parable of the sower, wasn't it? Jesus said, the seed that fell among the thorns, he talked, he explained it. He said it refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth Choke the word, making it unfruitful. Sometimes the worries of life just come in and crowd out God. Sometimes it's our desire to get wealthy and, and worried about money or get, getting rich that gets in the way. Are we like this in any way? 
pay more attention, the closest attention to what you've heard. Don't let these worries or wealth get in the way. 1, uh, 1 John 2 and uh, verses uh, 15 to 17 say this. Just going to turn to that. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. For us blokes, sometimes it's very easy for us to get drawn into looking at or swatching or seeing things that we shouldn't. It starts off very gradually. You just have a look at this thing, maybe on the internet. It's a bit innocuous. It's not going to do us any harm. But then gradually we get drawn in deeper and deeper. And suddenly you're looking at things in porno pornography or stuff that you shouldn't be. And it's just happened really slowly. If in any of these ways that I've described, if in any of these ways or others, you're drifting away from God, then wake up and smell the coffee. As Chrissy was saying, the, the Jews were drifting back into their old comfy ways with their rituals and regulations, not putting Jesus' salvation at the centre. And that's what the writer of Hebrews here is saying. He's saying, listen, listen up. This is really, really important. Therefore, pay the most careful attention to what you've heard so that you do not drift away. So that's about drifting. Secondly, don't ignore so great a salvation. Verse, verse 3, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, that's what it says. Um, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? We've talked just and prayed, haven't we, about the tragic events over the last few weeks and months where people have literally had to flee to escape from terrorists or the terrible fire or whatever. Tragic events. That word escape is very powerful, isn't it? It's because escape conjures up escaping from something that is dreadful, dreadful consequence. And in, in those stories, in, there have been amazing stories that have come through. In the midst of that tragedy, amazing stories have come out about people saving others. People giving warnings, people putting themselves in the line of fire, taking, uh, being stabbed in, in place of someone else. People <coughs> catching children that have been thrown from a fiery inferno, the tower block. There's been a route to escape, but that escape would not have happened for those people had they ignored that opportunity. And that's what this is saying here. Jesus is clear in his teaching about the need for us to escape from terrible situation of being separated from God for eternity. He describes that. If you read what Jesus says, he describes that really clearly. It is hell. And yet, 
We have that great salvation that rescues us from that. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. It's there for us. It's important that we embrace it and live it and share it and speak about it. And that we are able to trust him who is able to save completely. Praise God. And then thirdly and finally, don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt this salvation that God has ordained for us, has provided for us. You see, the verses say, uh, this salvation, verse 3, which was first announced by the Lord. Jesus himself spoke about the salvation. He spoke about his coming death. He spoke about preparing a place for us in heaven. He spoke about all these things. It's from the very words of Jesus that have been heard and spoken. Don't doubt it, it's from Jesus. Don't doubt it because it's been confirmed, it says here, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. In other words, it's been confirmed by those who directly lived with Jesus, his disciples, his followers, who heard his teaching, who saw his death on the cross, who saw his resurrection and come to live to be amongst his disciples and people. They confirmed it. Don't doubt it. And finally, it's been confirmed by God himself. Verse 4, God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles. It reminds me of the, um, uh, the paralysed man. Remember the paralysed man who got dropped down through the roof of the house? And Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. And then to prove that he had the authority of God to forgive <coughs> sins, he then said to the man, you know, I'm going to heal you. Pick up your mat and walk. And he healed him. And that signs and wonders of healing actually confirmed the salvation that Jesus brings through the forgiveness of sins. And again, we can see in the beginning of Acts, can't we, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the disciples were empowered to speak and to um, share the gospel and to bring healing and wonders upon and miracle healings upon people. Amazing. It's been confirmed, therefore, by uh, God as well. So don't <laughs> doubt it. It was announced by the Lord. It was shared by those who heard and lived amongst Jesus. And it's been confirmed by God in his miracles and his outpouring of his Holy Spirit for all, each and every one of us. His Spirit, as we said earlier, lives in us. So, therefore, therefore, we must, we have to, don't we? We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. We will not ignore it. We will not doubt God's great salvation for us. Let's just pray.